Good morning, church. Great to be here this morning and great to connect with everyone who's online. My name is Andrew, as you've heard already, and I'm here to share on what is Refugee Sunday. So if we could have the first slide, please, Yami. Thank you. So every year, as part of Refugee Week, there's Refugee Sunday, and it's an opportunity to remember... Whoa, a bit windy up here. Those fleeing war and persecution and in search of safety. And I'm really grateful to be invited to be able to share with you today to bring to life some of the experiences that many millions of refugees have to face around the world. So I have the privilege of leading Upbeat Communities, which is a Christian charity that was started back in 2005 by uh, a couple called Adam and Karina Martin, who are in the leadership team at Reach. Um, and so the charity has been going for getting close to 20 years now. And we exist to empower refugees to thrive. And today I'm going to share from Scripture about our mandate to welcome the stranger and to support those in exile. And also share about our work at Upbeat Communities and the ways that you might wish to get involved. But first, I'd like you to use your imagination for a moment. Imagine it's early one Saturday morning. You're lying in bed. The sun begins to creep through the curtains. You start to think about the day ahead, the plans you've made, the lovely breakfast you're about to prepare. But then suddenly, you're startled by your mobile phone ringing. You don't normally get a call at this time of day. It's your family member. You pick up and they're crying, struggling to get their words out. They tell you the authorities have found out about you. Your life is in danger. They say you need to flee. You need to flee today. You need to pack a bag and leave your home right now in order to save your life. Your head begins to spin. So many questions going through your mind. What do I take with me? Who do I contact to help me escape? Should I just cross the nearest border? Do I flee to a country further away where I have a real chance of freedom and protection? Will I ever see my family again? This is the reality for many, many refugees. Forced to flee, leaving everything they've known behind. Leaving their family, friends, the home they've invested in and made their own, the career they've studied and worked hard for. How would you feel if you had to make those decisions? I'd like us now to turn to Scripture to read about the most famous refugee journey and explore what it means for us in our call to welcome refugees. So if you could turn to Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 13. And I'm sure everyone knows this passage in Matthew, but just for some context, Mary and Joseph have just been visited by the wise men bringing their gifts to Jesus. Now, when they had departed, so that's the wise men, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. 
And he rose, took the child and his mother by night, and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother and go, back, go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. So for Mary and Joseph, the first few months of new parents must have been pretty crazy. I've got two children, a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, and I can just about remember what it was like when our first child was born. So Mary and Joseph were not only dealing with the normal challenges of being a new parent, dirty nappies, a crying baby, and functioning on a few hours of sleep each night, but they also had to do this in a different place away from friends and family. And then over the next few months, they had first the visits from the shepherds and then the wise men from the east. And perhaps after this, they thought they could finally settle down, get back to normal life with Joseph back in the carpentry business and Mary looking after baby Jesus. But no, life was to be turned upside down again. So it says, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So we don't know exactly how old Jesus was when the angel appeared to Joseph and told him to flee. But scholars suggest somewhere, he was somewhere between the ages of a few months old and up to two years. Could I have the next slide, please? Yeah. Imagine getting the news that you had to leave your home, your friends, your job, your culture to keep your family safe. Refugees don't want to leave. They don't want to give up their lives, their community, their culture. It is forced upon them. And like this opening line from the poem Home by Somali refugee, Wazan Shire declares, no one leaves home unless home is the mouth of a shark. So I just want to give you some current context for, for what the world looks like in terms of refugees right now. So we could have the next slide. There are 27 million refugees around the world. And that's not including people who are displaced in their own country, which takes the total up to 80 million. And of that total, 41% of refugees are children. And most refugees cross the nearest border. They look for the first place of safety. So 72% are living in countries bordering places where they've had to flee. 
And that means that actually the UK is home to just 1% of the world's refugees. We see perhaps news headlines where we, we see that loads of people are coming to the UK and we're being, uh, that the floodgates are open sometimes it's said, but actually a relatively small number actually make it to the UK. At Upbeat Communities last year, we supported people from over 40 different nations, from obvious places like Syria, Afghanistan, Ukraine and Sudan, but also places where war and persecution is happening that isn't on the daily news. Eritrea, Yemen, El Salvador, and Colombia. But refugees are not just numbers or statistics. They're people, individuals, and families searching for sanctuary. I think of Samuel from Eritrea, a Pentecostal Christian who attended a prayer meeting during his compulsory military service in Eritrea and was subsequently beaten and imprisoned in an underground shipping container for months. He managed to escape and fled the country, arriving in the UK, having clung underneath a lorry for many hours. I think of Abbas, a young Iranian man who, following his conversion to Christianity, ended up as a leader in the underground church in Iran. As soon as he became known to the Iranian authorities, he had to leave his family behind and flee to the UK with his wife, seeking safety and the right to practice his faith. He and his wife have now returned to another country in the Middle East to lead a church. I think of Samar, whose mother had converted from Islam to Christianity. Samar's mother died when he was young, and in his teenage years, he found out that she'd been murdered by his own father. Samar began to explore Christianity, but once his father found out, he had to flee Kurdistan and escape to the UK. Next slide, please. So let's get back to the story of Jesus and his escape to Egypt. Joseph had a dream telling him to leave, so off they went. The message version puts it like this. He got up, took the child and his mother under the cover of darkness. They were out of town and well on their way by daylight. Just imagine what it must have felt for Joseph to have to take such a difficult journey with a young wife and very small child, heading off to Egypt with only the things that they could carry. And this story of the Holy Family into exile is not the only story of exile in the Bible. I'm sure you can think of many others. Adam and Eve leaving the Garden of Eden. Abraham or Abraham leaving Ur. Joseph being sold into slavery. Moses fleeing Egypt. The Israelites spending 40 years in the desert. The early church being scattered. And I'm sure there's many, many more. So Joseph and his family are on the move escaping the brutal infanticide ordered by Herod and heading to a new land with a different language, culture, and systems. One biblical scholar suggests that perhaps Joseph even ended up having to sell the gifts that were brought by the wise men in order to fund their journey, which I guess is possible. We know that refugees and their families often have to sell their possessions or their homes in order to fund their journeys to safety. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, 
and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. Next slide, please. I wonder what sort of welcome Joseph and Mary got when they reached Egypt. Friendly? Compassionate? Accommodating? Or unfriendly, hostile, unwelcoming? If you or your family had to flee to another country, what kind of welcome would you hope for? I've worked in the refugee sector for over 20 years now, and the current climate for refugees in the UK is probably the most hostile I've ever experienced in those 20 years. The government are creating policies that are eroding the rights of those seeking asylum, and the media continues to scapegoat and vilify these vulnerable people. But yet, yet at the same time, I see amazing work that goes on in churches, charities, and communities that gives me hope. So I just want to share with you a video now of one individual we've worked with and her experience of welcome here in Derby. So if we could play that video, please. Yeah. Hi, everyone. This is my testimony about how Upbeat helped my family. And I want to start saying that since we came here to UK, uh, it was very challenging for us. Why? Because we felt like strangers in a different country with so much to learn, different weather, culture, food, and a different language. The first week, office, home office moved us three times different cities and houses. Finally, we arrived to Derby. And I remember that first night that we arrived, I was crying and crying because uh, the house they gave us was in very bad conditions. I couldn't stop thinking how was going to be a light from now on? What happened if I need help? Would anyone help me? At the end, I just said to myself that we were here for a reason and it's to keep my family safe. I know that my kids are safe, so that helped me keep my strength and hope. The first weeks were the hardest. Uh, every chance we had, we asked people if they knew someone who speaks Spanish or from El Salvador but the answer was always no. Finally, one day, searching online, my husband found an organization named Upbeat Communities. So we went to visit uh, the next day, and that since that day, our lives changed. I remember we first met Einir, Elliot, and Sam. So, they were really friendly, they were very empathetic, they offered us their help since the very first day. They opened their house and said that we could count on them and we knew that they really meant it. They never let us down, they never let my family down. They helped us move, they helped us find furniture. So if you ask me what Upbeat means to me, Upbeat is home, it's a place where you can be yourself, you are respected, you are valuable. And for me, upbeat is the heart 
of Darby. So we get the privilege of journeying with people like Lichia every day at OB Communities. We see the challenges they face and, the support, and support them through it, but also get to witness the resilience, determination, and tenacity of those who left behind everything and have to start again from scratch. So I just wanted to share a little bit more about the work we do at Upbeat Communities uh, and how we support and welcome those seeking sanctuary. So if we can have the next slide. So we provide, last year we provided hundreds of activity sessions from our integration hub, which is on Green Lane at Trinity Baptist Church, just around the corner from here. And most of our activities involve English language classes, which actually provides one of the best ways for refugees to integrate into life in the UK. Last year, we welcomed over 500 people in our integration hub. And this year, we've already seen almost that same number just in the first six months of 2023. So Derby is uh, a place of welcome for refugees. We uh, have lots of people who are claiming asylum here in the city and people living in hotels, in a hostel, and also around 200 properties where people live in the city. So a large number of people. So even that 500 um, people that we saw isn't, isn't everyone. And we've supported local authorities across the East Midlands, uh, welcoming and integrating refugees into their communities through government resettlement schemes. So there's different ways that refugees arrive in the UK and we're involved in a lot of that as well. And finally, we provide a range of services for refugee children including holiday club activities and also um, providing Christmas presents that we did in partnership with Derby City Mission. So lots of different ways that we're able to support and welcome those who are experiencing trauma and uh, loss following their, their journeys. So back to our story in scripture. We don't know how long the Holy Family stayed in Egypt, uh, and scholars suggest it could be anywhere between a few months to a couple of years. What we do know is that Joseph was fearful to return to his homeland, and only did so when God told him it was safe to do so. So thinking about us, thinking about this situation now, what does this mean for us? What does it mean for you as a member of Derby City Church, for us as followers of Jesus? The Old Testament repeats more than 30 times the command to treat displaced people just as you would treat a native. And this makes it one of the most frequently repeated commands in the whole Bible. So I would say we have a clear biblical call to welcome the stranger. And in fact, one of the Greek words used in the New Testament for hospitality, and often when we think of hospitality, we're thinking about inviting our friends around for a nice meal, actually it's Philoxenia, which means the love of strangers. So, just to close, I want to offer three practical ways that everyone could get involved. First off, to pray. Pray for those refugees and asylum seekers in our city. Pray for the government to have a more compassionate and just response to refugees. And pray for charities like Upbeat Communities and others who work to support those rebuilding their lives. Secondly, to give. Much of our work is financed by generous people who partner with us to transform lives. 
whether that's a one-off gift or a regular monthly donation, any amount, any amount is gratefully received. And finally, volunteer. We've got an amazing group of people, I think around 60 volunteers at the moment, who volunteer in a range of different ways. You don't need to know anything about refugees or the asylum system as we provide regular training and support. But if you do feel inspired to get involved in this kind of work, all you need is a compassionate heart and some time to give. So, thank you very much for listening. And I just want to end with a prayer and a declaration called the Immigrant's Creed, which hopefully just allows us to consider all we've heard and what the Holy Spirit might be speaking to us about. We believe in Almighty God, who guided the people in exile and in Exodus. The God of Joseph in Egypt and Daniel in Babylon the God of foreigners and immigrants. We believe in Jesus Christ, a displaced Galilean who was born away from his people and his home, who fled his country with his parents when his life was in danger and returning to his own country suffered the oppression of the tyrant Pontius Pilate, the servant of a foreign power who was then persecuted, beaten, and finally tortured, accused and condemned to death unjustly. But on the third day, this scorned Jesus rose from the dead, not as a foreigner, but to offer us citizenship in heaven. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the eternal immigrant from God's kingdom among us, who speaks all languages, lives in all countries, and reunites all races. We believe that the church is the secure home for the foreigner and for all believers who constitute it, who speak the same language and have the same purpose. We believe that the communion of the saints begins when we accept the diversity of the saints. We believe in the forgiveness of sin, which makes us all equal and in reconciliation, which identifies us more than does race, language, or nationality. We believe that in the resurrection, God will unite us as one people, in which all are distinct and all are alike at the same time. Beyond this world, we believe in eternal life, in which no one will be an immigrant, but all will be citizens of God's kingdom which will never end. Amen.